remember what series that we're in right now? What is it? The heat of? All right, everybody say the heat of battle. We've gone through the heat of battle. The first message that we preached a few weeks ago was called the heat of battle. Praise is a weapon. Come on, somebody say praise is a weapon. The next one was the heat of battle. Brothers hold the line. Somebody say brothers hold the line. Come on, who's been holding the line this week? Who's been praising the Lord this week? We must utilize these things in the heat of battle because there are so many things going on. There's so many fights to get to. We must remember these staple things. This is what we're preaching this morning. This is what we're reminding every single one of you of this morning, that we are in a war. Amen? Amen. It's not wars with assault rifles and what we believe to be as war. It's not against flesh and blood, but it's against every power, principality that sets itself against the Spirit of God. Do you want to see him win in this community? Yes. He's going to do it through us. Amen. You can feel it in the air. We are coming into a season change. Hallelujah. Man, I was sitting outside this morning, and I was like, yeah, it's cold, but I I haven't felt cold in a while, so I'm going to be cold. I didn't put on a jacket, nothing. I was like, I like being cold. feels good. As we gather together this morning, after a beautiful time of celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles, there is no doubt that we must, we have so much to give thanks for. Amen? It's not even Thanksgiving yet. Could you imagine when Thanksgiving comes? Man, it'd be much more than football. It's going to be thanking the Lord for everything that he's done this far. We got the One Association coming up. Who's excited about that? As we're holding the line in Denton, Texas, we're going to go to Gatlinburg, Tennessee, and we see that there's a numerous amount of other brothers and sisters who are holding the line like you. You know why? Because we're all in a battle. But we serve a victorious king. Listen, today we're going to continue in our series, The Heat of Battle. Today our message is titled, titled, The Heat of Battle, Mind on the Mission. There's no better way to begin this message than to remind you all of our Body's purpose. Remember when we used to have the canvases on the wall? You remember the purpose, the mission, the, the vision? Yeah. Yeah. Amen. We're going to remind you of that this morning. We're going to begin with purpose. Yeah. Do we have slides for this, John? No, we do not have slides for this. That's okay. So our purpose, as Pastor Devin said, once was posted on the wall, is to gather. To gather those called by their father to know him in order to make him known. We use Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 through 6 for that. Our mission is to grow. So first is to gather, then it's to grow. It's to grow, which is to equip and mature every saint for the work of the ministry. Because as we know from Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, there's not an allowance for any people who sit on the sideline in the kingdom of God. Right? There are just those who are equippers and those who are equipped, and we are all doing the work together, every single one of us. And then there's the, our vision, which our vision is to give. Now, as you might have known from you know, maybe businesses that you've worked in before or schools that you've been a part of, when you hear of like purposes and missions and visions, the vision is this big picture thing that we're all going for together. That until Messiah himself comes back, we will never be complete with this in any one person. 
And that is to give. It's to give fully mature sons and daughters to all nations until the full harvest has come in. The bride has made herself ready and King Jesus is enthroned in Jerusalem. Come on, with all of the stuff that, as Pastor said this morning, with the wars and rumors of wars, it becomes even more exciting to consider the idea of King Yeshua himself sitting on the throne in Jerusalem, right? Well, we want to remind you what we do and why we do it today. Since we know a people who lack vision perish, let's start today by establishing exactly what all this stuff looks like. And so whenever we look back at, at our purpose and our mission and our vision, which is to gather in those who do not know him and those who do know him but have gone astray and to grow every single person who becomes comes becomes a part of the family within the home of the people of God, and then to give to the nations, though they have not done anything but scorned the name of God, though they have turned their backs against him, we give freely what we have received freely. And this is how we see his kingdom grow. So whenever we're talking about a mind on the mission, it's this exactly that we're focusing on. And sometimes it can become difficult to remember what exactly the mission is, whenever you get caught into the monotony of day-to-day life. Well, we want to show you today that your day-to-day life and the mission and the vision and the purpose that we operate in are not contradictory. You, you don't have one thing working against the other, ex, or at least you should not have one working against the other. Listen to Revelation chapter 7 here. Revelation chapter 7, starting in verse 9. This excited Pastor Devin and I so much as we were reading this, thinking about some of the things going on in the world right now. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could count, from every nation, and all tribes, and all peoples, and all tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, and palm branches were in their hands. And they cry out with a loud voice saying, Salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God. Saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be 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 to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, Those who are clothed in white robes, who are they and where have they come from? Come on. The Apostle John says, I said to him, My Lord, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones who came out of the great tribulation, and they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason, they are before the throne of God, and they serve him day and night in his temple, and he who sits on the throne will spread his tabernacle over them. Come on. They will hunger no longer, nor thirst anymore, nor will the sun beat down on them, nor any heat. For the lamb in the center of the throne will be their shepherd." And will guide them to the springs of water of life, and God will wipe every tear from their eyes. This is, in fact, our target. 
This is what it looks like at the end of this age and the beginning of the age, the eternal age to come, is the culmination of every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every people, those, even those who once were of the nation of Israel, those who are not of the nation of Israel, women, men, children, every race, every ethnicity, everything is represented right there before the throne of our God. This is the exciting goal and the mission that we are keeping our eyes on because everything we do is working towards this day. Amen? Are you catching that? It's going to take breaking off some monotonous, selfish, self-centered minded thinking for us to be able to go back into some of us the full revelation of exactly where we're going. Because as we've been seeing with the news and things going on in Israel and there's wars and there's rumors of wars and there's everything that our scriptures and the prophets promised us, right? God has already been speaking of these things since ever. We aren't surprised about any of it. But what we are going for is the salvation of all nations represented before the throne of our Christ in the new Jerusalem in Israel, gathered together with the people of Israel who have also turned to their Messiah. Amen. Amen. Our minds must be on the mission. And today we're going to display to you and show you in the scripture, many different scriptures. What is that mission? What does that mission look like in us, in our church, in the outside world? What does it look like? But let's be honest. There are some days our mind is not on the mission. What about whenever you have a flat tire? You think about Revelation 7 in that time? Man, all the nations... No, you're just thinking about the tire that's flat on the ground. It would really help you to think about Revelation 7, though, to know that your little flat tire that day is a tiny blip in the radar in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, or what about whenever your account's negative? Oh, that too. You think about the end-all, be-all. There, there, there is two ways of thinking. There's Obviously, he's declared the alpha and the omega. We can have these omega thoughts but have no actions in the alpha or in the beginning stages if we do not act in the beginning we'll never get to the end but we must have short-term mid-term long-term visions and goals and guess what his work will be accomplished it's written in stone it's written in scripture we have the benefit of already knowing the ends but the truth is this will you take part in it listen we're going to read zechariah 2 verse 1 It says, then I lifted up my eyes and looked and behold, there was a man with a measuring line in his hand. So I said, where are you going? And he said to me to measure Jerusalem, to see how wide it is and how long it is. And behold, the angel who was speaking with me was going out and another angel was coming out to meet him. And he said to him, run, speak to that young man saying Jerusalem will be inhabited without walls because of the multitude of men and cattle within it. For I, declare the Lord, will be a wall of fire around her, and I will be the glory in her midst. Woo, come on. As easy as it is to draw a circle around yourself and call it enough, we as children of God must remember that the gospel message does not stop with us. Amen? Amen. But was required to be multiplied through us. You receive salvation, therefore you find those 
in need of salvation, as, they, as a burning bright of your testimony is bright, uh, burning before all. Listen, what I meant by the circle around you thing, Jerusalem's going to be a literally a city without walls. God's going to inhabit it and be the fire around it that consumes it. But in us, when our mind is not on the mission, how many times do we set not our mind on the mission, but our mind on ourselves, and then we eventually just dig a whole trench around ourselves. It's the me, me, me mentality. It's all about me. In the heat of battle, what am I, what do I need? Do I need more water? Am I bleeding a little bit? No. It's about the mission. Listen, today the, the message is not going to be about us. It's not going to be even about sin. It's going to be about the mission. Amen? Amen? What does it look like then? Of course, we live and gather within buildings, with walls, but have we left our doors open for the lost to enter into them? If our mind was on the mission, then that would be the case. We freely receive, freely we give. Everything that we ever get in life is utilized for his kingdom. Amen? And with our minds on the mission, we're more focused on what brings forth kingdom equity rather than what brings equity to our own life. This is what my, your mind look, on the mission looks like. Everything that you have in your life, it's surrendered to him. With their mind on the mission, remember, Jerusalem will see a multitude of those who have surrounded themselves in allegiance to Yahweh. Hallelujah. Will you then take part in being that, uh, seeing that accomplished? Man, y'all are a little quiet this morning. I'm going to say it again. Think, this is kind of a hard question. Will you take part in seeing this accomplished? Yeah. It's not that hard. We're a church that keeps our mind on the mission. This is not a time this morning to go nitpicking through every part of each one of our sin natures and what I do wrong, what you do wrong. There's a time to be discerning about weaknesses and vulnerabilities in our lives and things like that, but it's not our focus today. Today, we will emphatically preach to you these things because it will take every mind in this room being focused on the mission in order to see every nation actually represented before the throne. Now, God has promised that he will do this work. It's written in the scriptures already. It is written that every nation will stand before his throne and be represented there. But whether or not you are a participant in it and whether or not you are crying, Maranatha, Jesus, come quickly. This is, this is up to you. So this is why Pastor Devin asked you today, are you participating in this work? Yes. Is your mind on the mission? Yes. Will you, it has been declared by the prophets of old that these things will come. John the Revelator, in, here in Revelation 7, and we are in full agreement today that all nations will praise his name. Now, it's one thing to stand in agreement. To say, I theologically believe that the Bible is true and this will one day happen. Congratulations. You are getting right up there with the level of belief that the, the demonic has. Or will you be a people who sees this come to fruition? Yeah. When a people keep their minds on the mission, we see this end goal come to life. Today, we will share other signs, witnesses, and fruits that come from being a people whose minds are on the mission. Our first one today that we're going to cover, we have four for you today. Our first one is whenever our, mind, whenever our minds are on the mission, his people are healed. Number two. 
Number two is going to be, when our mind is on the mission, the lost are gathered in. Number three is going to be, when our minds are on the mission, his people are grown. And four is, when our mind is on the mission, we give to the world. Come on. We're going to start with number one today, that whenever our minds are on the mission, his people are healed by looking at Numbers chapter 21, verse 6. Turn there with us this morning. This will be the first place we plant at for some time. Numbers chapter 21, verse 6. Come on, say there when you get there. Come on, are you everybody following along? Hallelujah. Numbers chapter 21, verses 6 through 9. Before we read it, I want you to hear this. It seems that we often separate the mission from the church, right? You have the mission, like this is the traditional last 30 or 40, 50 year model of you have missionaries that go and then everybody else sits in their hometown and plays church, right? Like the missionaries are like the zealous, crazy Christians that don't quite fit in the category of the church. And then there are the people who sit in the church the rest of their life and they sing songs and they go to Sunday service and they listen to the pastor preach his messages. They do dress up on Sundays and give tithes and offerings. And they do all these things, but we, we separate these things. The church then becomes the place where everyone comes to get maintained, taught how to behave, and an endless cycle of counseling sessions for the entirety of a man or woman's life concerning their sin. Then we have a few who get the breakthrough needed to be the mission-minded Christians. <laughs> who minister to their community or are planted elsewhere, but usually the latter. We usually send the really zealous people that are actually excited about Christ and his kingdom off to some other place because it's too much for our people to handle and it's a little embarrassing in our hometown. But we are not this pattern, right? We are not this pattern seen so often among our brothers and sisters in other communities. We are and will be a people who are an example of those who keep their minds on the mission. And I want to propose to you today that healing within God's people, within the church community, the existing church community, like those of us in this room today, occurs not whenever we sit there and overly self-examine every little detail of what's wrong with us. And this is easy to occur within a church community that is not appropriately active on a mission. Pastoring then becomes nitpicking through every single little sin that you have going on in your life. And where there's absolutely room to be discerning and to to properly acknowledge sin, point it out, and then work it out together. If we are not targeted, if we are not targeting the mission appropriately, then we will recycle right back to where we were and just find ourselves in the same spot with a new different sin, a different color, a different flavor of the week. Does that make sense? Yeah. So listen to this, Romans 20, I mean, not Romans, Numbers 21, verses 6 through 9 in that light. It says, the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people and they, and the serpents bit the people so that many people of Israel died. So the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned because we have spoken against the Lord and against you. 
Intercede with the Lord that he may remove the serpents from us. And Moses interceded for the people. I want you to listen to what those people just said. They acknowledged their own sin because of the consequences that they're living in because they were not overly intervened, right? Those of us who sat in parenting class, you did not take away the consequences of the people. You let them experience their consequences so that repentance could be had, so that restoration can be had. This is exactly how Moses became a father to the people of Israel, showing the fatherly nature of Yahweh himself. But they asked for the serpents to be removed. Watch this in verse 8. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent, or a brazen one, and set it on a standard, on a pole. And it shall come about that everyone who was bitten, when he looks at it, he will live. And Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on the standard. And it came about that if a serpent bit any man, when he looked to the bronze serpent, he lived. I'm telling you, whenever you are a man like Moses and you've been given a mission and you've been given the mission to get all of the people and the nation of Israel on the mission with you. You cannot stop the whole world to make sure that everyone who's feeling sick from getting snake bit is feeling better. This is where over-pastoring starts to come in or over-maintenance of ourselves, of over-examining everything wrong with us. Think about it. Here in Numbers 21, the people are saying, we've lost our way. We have spoken against the Lord. We've spoken against our leadership. We have lost our purpose, and now we are suffering the consequences of it. Godly leadership doesn't halt the entire mission to make sure everyone's sick and sinful. Everyone that is sick and sinful is perfectly tended to in detail. They go to the Lord, they receive direction, and they execute it. It is here that Moses received the direction on how to care for God's people while also carrying out the mission. They are not competing against each other. Do you see this? If they all die, then there's no one to take Canaan. So, of course, we're not talking about, well, they're sick and hurting, just leave them behind, only the strong survive. We're not talking about that. If the people of Israel do not survive, there is no one to take Canaan. If Israel does not take Canaan, then there is no Jerusalem. If there is no Jerusalem, there is no establishment on the earth of the central location where all things occur regarding the temple, nor is there Christ the man, his crucifixion, his burial, and his resurrection. Can you see why keeping your mind on the mission is very important? Even when things get difficult, even whenever you're dealing with sin inside of your own community, you're dealing with heartache, you're dealing with sicknesses, you're dealing with whatever. If you lose sight of the mission while dealing with those things, then it comes about that either all of the people die or you never go to Adonai, the Lord, for answers on how to deal with it. And you find yourself totally halted and then figuring out what to do with everybody that's sick. Like the people of Israel, we must stay on mission. Not just Moses. Like the people of Israel, we must stay on the mission. But we also must live. Here is our predicament. 
How do you shepherd, heal, and preserve a people while also staying on the mission? God then teaches Moses that if you set up in the midst of the camp a sign of God's defeat over their illness and over their sin and command them to fix their eyes upon it, then they will be healed. That's good. This is why good counseling, good brothers, good husbands, and good uh, wives, and good pastors, and all the Good counsel from all of those sources in your life does not come by pointing at every single little thing wrong in you. It's a look to the one who saves you and then get your mind back on what he told you to do. He will redeem you. He will heal you and he will help you to behave the way you're supposed to behave. But if we lose sight of the target, then we will wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Isn't that interesting? This was the struggle that Israel was going through and Moses and the people of Israel were constantly fighting to maintain keeping their mind on the mission. But can you see how the enemy through tribulation and through sin can keep a people walking in circles in the wilderness for 40 years and not taking the land? As leaders and as a people, we are those who keep our mind on the mission. Tending to one another, acknowledging sin, calling it out, and teaching others to overcome it is not and should not become a hindrance to the mission he's given us. It is a blessing to get to help one another, to say, hey, I see you're messing around with that. I see you're struggling in this. I see you're wearying yourself in this. You need to fix your eyes upon the one who redeems you and saves you and heals you from your snake-bitten nature so that we can get healed and we can go shoulder to shoulder together into the promises of God. Amen. Even as pastors or shepherds of a local community, the mission is not to teach everyone to stop sinning and to go and and to go and treat every disease and condition. Think about that. If we make our mission our mission in and of itself, the end result, everything that we think about as leaders in the community is just to make sure that everyone's healthy and good, then we will remain in the wilderness forever, just making sure people are healthy in the wilderness. That's right. Right where all the snakes are. How about you get your people out of where all the snakes are and into the promises of God and go fight some battles you actually want to fight instead of fending off venomous snakes all the time, making sure that nobody's poisoned every single day of the existence of your local ministry. That's a good word. We have to be a people who, we have to be a people who keep our mind on the mission. It is to keep his people on the mission and tell them, look upon his face and find healing. We must go. We must go. We must go. We must get to Canaan and look upon him and be healed. Listen to how Yeshua himself referenced this in John chapter 3, verse 3. He says, Jesus answered to him with Nicodemus, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You have trouble seeing spiritual things? You have trouble with your mind getting stuck too much down here? Yeah. You need to be born again. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born again when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? <laughs> Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. If you do not find it evident to you that you have been born of the water of the womb and you have been born of the Spirit of God, you need to be born again of the Spirit of God. Amen. Amen. He says, that, 
That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Verse 7, do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from, and you do not know where it's going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him and said to him, are you the teacher of Israel and you don't understand these things? Truly I say to you, we speak of what we know and we testify of what we have seen. And you do not accept our testimony. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe them, how will you believe them whenever I tell you of heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. So that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. Good word. Stopped at one short of our John 3.16. Just to leave you on a cliffhanger. To look upon him. Listen, to look upon him is to be healed. Y'all, I've seen so many churches and so many ministries in my life, having grown up around these things my entire life, where the most zealous of ministers and of ministries, of communities of people, they're zealous, they're strong, and they go and they do these things for the Lord, and then all of a sudden you turn around and your children hate the faith, they hate their parents for dragging them through the faith, husbands and wives are getting divorced, you have adultery overtaking the leadership in the ministry, you have offense ruining the entire community, you have all of these things occurring. Because somewhere along the way, even those who are strong in faith and are focused on the mission believe that it is two different things to tend to the people in their community and also to keep their mind on the mission. Likewise, we have had people who have made institutions of whatever they want, social gratification, wealth, whatever, in their local churches, and then totally forgot why we're doing what we're doing. If your church is not aimed at the purpose and the mission and the vision that God has given it, and you were playing church, preaching good words on a Sunday and having good prayer meetings and having constant meetings about people's sin every single day, then you're missing it. That's not why we are here. Our meetings are to equip us for the work of Christ. Yeah. Our teachings are to equip us for the work of Christ. Our prayer meetings are to hear from Yahweh as to what the work is and how to do it and to be encouraged when we're feeling low. Our community is to encourage and to strengthen one another, to be linked arm to arm and to know we're not doing this alone. That's right, man. This is not the end all be all. And we want to help you guys remember that today. Because if this isn't the end all be all, then what's going on in your house at home for just the people who hold your name is certainly not the end all be all. You know, there's a whole world that has to be reclaimed and brought before the throne of Messiah. We, we started with that for you. We started with the target, with the mission and the vision and the purpose and Revelation 7 and Zechariah 2 so that you can know this is exactly everything we're aiming for. The accomplishment of our mission and the manifestation of its fruit is predicated entirely upon his people being healed of our sin and its consequences so that we might gather 
grow, and then give. But we have to be a people who are healthy and learn how to look upon him to find life. When we came into encounter with Christ, we needed healing, right? What we're trying to tell you this morning is that when our mind is on the mission, it is a, uh, in, as we walk forward in the mission, that you being healed is exactly what's going to happen. When our mind is set on the mission, it's inevitable that you will receive healing. It's inevitable you're going to receive every single thing that you need. Because you know what's next in this part of the mission? The lost are gathered. We're going to look at Mark 1, verse 29. It says, As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. Amen. That evening, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and the demon-possessed. Come on. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had, been, had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. <laughs> Come on. Listen, Jesus and his disciples were men whose minds were on the mission. Amen? Yeah. In this moment, you see that there's a people, all, peoples in Mark 1, and they are beginning to benefit from men who are on the mission. The kingdom of God is, is advancing. People are beginning to be healed, and those who are being healed are beginning to make movement as living testimonies of the transformative power of Christ. Come on, you've been healed by the Lord. You now, therefore, have a testimony. I mean, who has a testimony in this place? Yes. Your testimony should literally be having the whole town gather at the door. But let's be honest, we don't shine that bright every single day. But when we have our minds on the missions, we will begin to. Yeah. See, the healing that she received was enough to bring people to the door. It's not big screen TVs. It's not more speakers in the room. It's not perfect air conditioning. It's not about the atmosphere. It's about the testimony that is carried in the atmosphere. We have every single thing that we need to gather the lost. But with our minds not on the mission, we'll start to doubt that. We'll start to have unbelief in that. That I'm no good for the lost. I actually feel lost myself. Yes, son, it's because your mind's not on the mission. The whole town is becoming and longing for what this person just became healed. The whole town is gathering together, not because of fine words, but because of the power of Christ dwelling in men. Yeah. Did you know that you all carry a powerful testimony in this place? Yeah. We must utilize it. Listen, Revelation 12, verse 10 says, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now has come the salvation. Somebody say, Now. now. And the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. Check this out. For the accuser of the brothers who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. Therefore, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb 
and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. You must understand in this greater mission, it is your testimony that will be utilized and used as a weapon to dethrone the enemy in the lost life. When you see a lost person, you must recognize the accuser has to be hurled down or else they will not be able to receive salvation. And the tool that you utilize in that moment is the, the testimony that you have lived, that you were once dead, that you are now alive, that you were sick and you were in need of healing. And this is what was used to dethrone the enemy, and it can be used to dethrone the enemy and the lost. Listen, honestly, lost people could care less about what the word says. They don't live by it. What they need to see is somebody who does live by it and the fruit that it brings forth. I was depressed. I was anxious. I was addicted. But Jesus came into my life and he dethroned the accuser inside of my heart. Therefore, he can do the same thing to you. When we live with our mind on the mission, not only have we been healed, we carry a testimony now that can heal the lost. We must gather the lost and we cannot live and hiding or be insecure about it. Acts 4, verse 12, it says, Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Listen, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. What was the astonishing thing? Was it that they had Torah scrolls in the back of their pocket? They rolled these dudes out and they could interpret every single letter of it? Was it that they were particularly handsome? No. Were they schooled? No. They were ordinary, except for one thing. They have a burning testimony in their heart now. Because they were lost themselves. They were directionless. And Jesus came into their life and gave them every single thing that they could ever need. But since they could see the men had been, uh, uh, verse 14, but since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and they uh, conversed together. What are we going to do with these men? They asked. Everybody Literally, everybody living in Jerusalem knows they have done an outstanding miracle. Isn't that insane? These men walked in such authority that the scripture literally says everybody living in Jerusalem knows that they have done an outstanding miracle. And we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn these men to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Okay. What you have will be astonishing to the lost in need of healing. Yeah. Listen to me. We are living testimonies. And listen, we are stench to some and life to others. But for the lost who are in, in need of healing, you are everything that they need. Yeah. Just as it was for Peter and John with their minds set on the mission, you too carry a message for those who are lost and far off from God. Amen. Yeah. With our minds on the mission, we should expect this level of impact, by the way. Yeah. But there's doubt left in our hearts because our minds aren't on the mission. It's on what? 
the snakes in our land. Yeah. That we become discouraged and then we forget the power that does dwell in us. Come on, for those who go out to the square on Sundays, how many times have you had this accusatory thought, I don't know if I could do this, I had kind of a rough week. You're not focusing on that which Moses set up as on a pole was an iron serpent that says, listen, he can defeat your serpents. Yeah. Imagine if Peter were in that situation, or may, because maybe your thoughts on something like a prayer and worship meeting in the middle of the square in Denton uh, isn't so much, I don't think that I'm capable. It's I'm capable, but these people would never listen. They're too far gone. It's too much. They're too wicked. They're too evil. They're too... Do you remember whenever Peter was told by his, by his shepherd, Jesus himself, get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the things of God, but instead the the things of men. What if Peter would have then therefore made his entire ministry's mission, not according to what Jesus tells him, but according to making sure to tell everybody who's not thinking like God, but is thinking like men, that they're thinking like men and not thinking like God. Oh, then you got a whole ministry that's just built on making sure to correct every single person's little thought that's out of order around you. Instead of what Jesus did, Jesus did not sit there and plant and said, well, Peter, until you never do that again, we can't move forward. Don't, like, until you prove to me that you never, ever, ever, ever speak anything wrong ever again, we can't move forward. He's like, come on, Peter, let's move on. Peter's like, no, but I feel like I'm not worthy. He's like, shh, let's go. Come on. Like, we're still doing this together. I'm able to correct you, and then we're moving on together because there are people who are dying. There are people who are sick. There are people possessed with demons, and they desperately need to meet you. Meet me? No, they need to meet you, Jesus. He's like, no, they need to meet you because they need to find out that even those who were lost, those who were wicked, those who still have issues that are in desperate daily need of their Savior can find healing in life abundantly right now like you have. In fact, Peter, I'm not the best representation, Jesus would say. You are the best representation that they need to see. Right? Does that make sense? Does that not encourage you that you actually need to get out there and stop telling yourself you're not good enough? Yeah, Yeah, come on. It encourages me at least. I'm going to make a small point here. As ministers of the gospel, we must understand that it takes great investment, right? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the times I get into this mindset and it's not a right one. That ministry is difficult, why would I want more people to tend to? If you have that thought, your focus is on the wrong thing. It is about his kingdom. It's not about Sally cursed out Timmy over here. (laughs) Of course, we settle it. But as we're moving forward, there's more and more people who are beginning to gather along. And our hearts get fixed on the same mission. The kingdom begins to advance. We get so down in the dumps over the wrong things. Much that Jesus does not get down on the dumps on. He says, get up, go, gather the lost, and begin to build my kingdom. Prepare a way for the Lord. With our mind set on the mission, we should expect this level of impact. Amen? Even in man's attempt to stop this message from being preached, it had already spread throughout the whole city. They're too late. All of Jerusalem already knows. And they're asking, how do we stop this? You can't. You can't stop it. 
Any man's attempt to ever stop the gospel message, he will always fail. Because the gospel message, it burns like a wildfire. And every man's attempt is like a small water hose on a great wildfire of a message. Do you believe it? Because you are one of those flames that the lost need. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 3 says, I came to you in weakness and fear. This is Paul. And with much trembling. He admits it. I have fear. I have weakness. And I tremble some of the times. But verse 4 says, my message and my preaching were not with wise words and um, wise and persuasive words with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. Could we just begin to rest in God's power for once? Even Paul admitted that he too carried fear and had weakness, but he knew that God's spirit that was within him was enough. Somebody say, God is enough. enough. Say, "His his spirit is enough. We care so much about the delivery but the hungry are just looking for some food. Think about that. We care so much about the delivery and sometimes selfishly, we want a big tip for what we just said, but all the hungry care about is food. And guess what? You have the bread of life. You're like a bad delivery person that brings a whole five course meal. You might stumble along, but the meal's good enough. You know, the bread of life that you carry, it's good enough. The loss, what do they need? They just need the bread and wine. They just need the bread and wine. And that's what you carry within you. You have the lost needs, but your mind must be set on the mission. Micah 4, 6 through 7. This is a staple scripture. And that day declares the Lord, I will gather the lame. I will assemble the exiles and those I have brought to grief. I will make the lame a remnant, those driven away a strong nation. The Lord will rule over them in Mount Zion from the day and forever. This is a part of the goal to gather the lost. What do the lost look like? They look lame and weary. Some of them appear strong. Some of them appear confident. But it's just masquerading something within. They're deeply insecure and in need of healing. With eyes to see, with God's spirit, we walk in confidence each day because we have a burning testimony. It is that we gather the lost. Last scripture for this section. Luke 5, verse 31. Jesus answered to them, it is not the healthy who are in need of a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Listen, we've all experienced it. Have you ever had a conversation with a self-righteous man? It's not gonna go very far. You should be okay with that. But there's one who hungers for what you have and that is what we should be searching for. We, with our mind on the mission, we will gather the lost. I want you to see how this is building here, okay? Because we do have our three things. We We have our purpose and we have our mission and our vision. We're working through those things now. But we started with that God's people are healed whenever they have their mind on the mission. If you are too busy dealing all the time with your own snake-bitten nature, then you do not have the capacity, the focus, the energy, or anything to tend to anybody else. We're not saying ignore the fact that you're snake-bitten. We're saying look to the serpent mounted on the pole 
right? We're effectually it's saying that sickness and death and illness is now condemned before the people because everything put on a pole is cursed, right? Remember that? And then these men, like Peter, like John, like James, like all of the apostles, the disciples, and Yeshua, they are working through the land of Israel, being a witness, not that Peter is perfect and doesn't have snakes around anymore, but that he's a man that can move forward while keeping his eyes fixed on his Savior, saying, I'm going after you, Lord, and as I'm going after you, I am drawing all unto me as I'm going to you. And this is how men like the Apostle Paul have the authority to say, as I pursue Christ, be like me. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. So then we're able to gather in with us to the point that then we're able to grow. Our first scripture I want you to look at here is Matthew chapter 7 verse 24. Look at that with us. Turn to Matthew chapter 7 verse 24 and say grow when you get there. Grow. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 29 says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the wind blew, and slammed against that house, and yet it did not fall. For it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Then the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house, but it fell, and great was its fall. When Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as one of their scribes. I need you to remember this morning, the storms are inevitable. The, the, the venomous snakes, they're inevitable. The storms, they're inevitable. Stop spending the rest of your life not focusing on the mission, trying to avoid the storms. It doesn't do you any good. Are you focused on the storm or are you, are you focused on the latest fad of the style of your house, but it not being built upon the proper foundation? I mean, we're guys who literally make a living remodeling people's houses. And the principle stands true. If your foundation is not right, then who cares what's built upon it? Because it's all going to fall. Right? I got a video from, from John Hart the other day. He was working in this lady's house, and she just wanted us to, she's like, I know the house isn't how it's supposed to be, but just work through it, okay? We're like, I got a video of John Hart grabbing a piece of sheetrock and grabbing it and able to flex it back and forth for an eight-foot section just about because there are entire studs missing inside of this lady's house because of rot. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter how pretty the texture work and the paint is on the surface if you've got rot in your bones and your foundation's cracked in half. 
If you are not built upon the foundation that Christ is the centrality of your healing, not just for you to get saved and go to heaven after you die, but so that your life can be changed today, then you do not have what it takes to be able to gather people in. And because you don't gather any people in, you don't grow anybody. And then what do you have left to do? Nitpick at each other's sin natures. You're not busy growing anybody. Now you're just busy picking on somebody else. You know how you really help a godly husband and wife who are busy fighting and arguing amongst each other about their idiosyncrasies? You get them busy serving Jesus. You know what really helps? Mom or wife sacrificing her evening to cook a good meal for some people who are not even their friends to serve somebody who didn't do anything good for them. You know what helps all of that? Dad, husband, taking care of household duties that usually mom or wife would do while she's busy serving strangers because she went out of her way to do that and now you're having to work together. That keeps you from laying in bed thinking about the last annoying thing that the other one did. When you keep your mind on the mission, you are not nitpicking any, at each other anymore. You're busy gathering people in organically because you are a person who has been healed. And now you're growing the people whom you have gathered in because they're standing there looking at you cross-eyed like, okay, I'm here now. Now what do we do? And they don't leave you alone. That's why we put ourselves on this property right here. We don't want to be left alone. We are truly invested and making sure that everyone who gets gathered has a place to come and grow, too. So think about it. Are you focused on the storms too much? Are you focused on the conditions and all the circumstances too much? Or are you focused on making sure that your house is built upon the right thing? This word to be built upon, and it's why we use Matthew chapter 7 for you today, is the same word to edify or to grow. Okay, This word is oikodomeo. Oikodomeo is the Greek word to build up a house, to build upon a foundation, to restore something by building, to repair, or it's to promote growth. And what is our, this dictionary says, as in Christian wisdom, affection, grace, virtue, holiness, and blessedness, to grow in wisdom and piety. In order to, for us to, as a community to be a community of people who are growing, and are growing those who have been gathered in, we must then understand oikodomeo is not just the growing of numbers, and it's not just a growing in the awareness of snakes. It's the awareness that I have been healed from the snake-bitten life. I now have a crowd of people who were amazed that I had been healed from a snake-bitten life. And then now they're gathering around and getting healed from their snake-bitten lives. And now I am building them up like how you build a building. You start with one thing and you lead to the next and to the next and to the next and to the next. All built upon the foundation. Say foundation. Foundation. Foundation that Christ is their only source of salvation for today, tomorrow, and forever. But it's only the beginning. That's why here at Remnant Church and other churches in the one association of churches, we don't sit here and preach the same message of put your trust on Jesus because that is only step one. It is literally only step one whenever we're talking about whether or not your faith is in Christ. We have to move on from these things. Matthew chapter 16 
similarly speaks to these things. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. Just turn a few pages over, those who have their Bibles open. Matthew 16, 13 says, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, but still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. But my Father who is in heaven, I also say to you that you are Peter. Remember his name is Simon Barjona. Simon, son of Jonah. He said, I say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Not upon Peter, not not Pietro, right? Petra. Upon this foundational stone that I am the son of the living God. That I am the Messiah who has come. Upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. We must remember that we are, in fact, the building. When we're talking about something being built upon the right foundation, we as his church, as his ecclesia, are the house that's being built. And we are being built upon the revelation of his kingship, but is teaching of his kingship the ultimate mission? I'm telling you, the ultimate mission of Remnant Church, of your life, and of my life, is not sitting here finding 10,000 clever ways to prove to you in Hebrew and in Greek and Aramaic and all of these other studies, da 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 that Christ really is who he says he is. That is not the mission. That is the equipping process for the mission. The mission is finding women at wells who have lived, lived adulterous lives and them walking away saying, come meet a man who knows everything I've ever done That's right. and still bother to stand there with me and not damn me in the moment, but provide to me a life that is eternal and abundant. That is the work of Jesus. He didn't have a teaching moment with her. And trust me, I like teaching. I'm probably the more teachy person out of all of us. And it wasn't that. The work of Christ is seeing them gathered in, those who do not know him, and them growing. Think about 1 Thessalonians 5. Just listen to this one with me. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, Now as to the times of the epochs and the epochs, brothers, you have no need of anything to be written to you. For you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Yep. So let that help you now with all the news on Israel. Don't start going off about the end of the world, please. It just, <laughs> just please stop. Like, act, focus on your neighbor or something. Go, get your, go let your neighbor meet Jesus. Stop talking about the end of the world. Sorry, that one was... I'm passionate about that one. Anyways, this is while you while they are for, you know, yourselves full well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night while they are saying peace and safety, then destruction will come 
upon them suddenly like labor pains upon a woman with child, and they will not escape. But you, brothers, are not in darkness. You, brothers and sisters here in this room, are not in darkness. That the day would overtake you like a thief. That the day would overtake you like a thief. For you are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We are not of night nor of darkness. We are not a snake-bitten people. We are not the people of the poisoned people. (laughs) We are no longer that. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert and be sober. For those who sleep do their sleeping at night, and those who get drunk get drunk at night. For those who But since we are of the day, let us be sober, sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build oikodomeo, Build up one another just as you are already doing. The world is in turmoil. We need to stop negotiating whether or not the world is in turmoil. We need to stop doing Facebook posts that the world is in turmoil. We need to stop trying to negotiate who it is. Your proclamation of the gospel, your growth, your maturation is not for the perpetual inward focus of your own life, or even for your own purity. It's a byproduct of walking with Yeshua and doing the work that he is doing with him. Jesus did not bench Peter and every other disciple because they were immature. You should not bench yourself because you have room to grow. You should not bench yourself off of the team, off of the field, just because you feel like you did something wrong last week. I'm telling you, he is a big enough God to redeem you. And yes, if you need to be confronted about your sin, trust us. Do we, it. we love you enough. We will tell you all about it. But please keep your mind on the mission. Finally, first Peter's wrote in 1 Peter 2. So the man that, who we have been following this whole time for grow, he wrote in his own epistle in 1 Peter chapter 2. He says, and coming to him. As to a living stone which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God, you also, remnant church, as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. I want to remind you right now, you are being built up because you are the house. When we bring in Whenever others come in and they are gathered in and they are growing, it is because they are the house. We are the house. And whenever we are strengthened, we are a house that the lost, the broken, the depressed, the anxious, the snake bitten can come into and find healing. They can come in and find safety. They can come in and take refuge inside of this house, which is why Pastor Devin said we got to leave our doors open. We can't be scared of the very ones who you are called to bring redemption to. We cannot fear the opinions of those who speak about what you do on the square occasionally throughout the year whenever we preach and sing and worship and gather there. 
That is the very place where they get to see your love for him. They get to hear of your devotion for him despite what everybody says. And then they find out that the life that they've been looking for their whole life is actually standing right in front of them. And you are so confident in it that nobody can tell you otherwise. That is how we gather and how we grow. Somebody say, mind on the mission. Listen, when our mind is on the mission, we are healed. We then have a testimony. When our mind is on the mission, we gather the lost. When our mind is on the mission, we help in growing the lost, now disciples, in all that they're called to. And our final point today is when your mind is on the mission, we have something to give to the world. Listen, Matthew 28, verse 18 says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Somebody say, therefore, go. Therefore, go. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And as surely as I am with you always to the very end of the age. Listen, this is the command and this is the mission that we live by. First, you wholly give yourself to the works of Christ. And as you do it, it works to begin to multiply throughout the earth. You're like, well, what do I have to give? You have yourself to give. And guess what? When you give yourself to the Lord and to his people, then in turn, you will have somebody to give to the world. If you want to build disciples, you must become a disciple first, a disciple focused on the mission. And if you're focused on the mission, then you will have disciples to give to this earth. This doesn't happen overnight. Quit being discouraged from seven days. How about you start to look at your life in six months? increments and ask yourself instead of looking at all of the minor details every single day and that's all you're focused on and your mind's off the mission how about you just walk faithfully towards the mission the storms are inevitable the snakes are inevitable but six months later rejoice over what God has done and guess what six months turns into six years six years turns into 60 years And how many would you have had to give to the Lord? There's no doubt it will be a multitude. It will be a multitude, but only if your mind is on the mission. Romans 8 verse 19 says, The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. It's just waiting for what you have. Why are you waiting? We don't have to remind you. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. This is a result of those who have set their minds to the mission. Not looking backwards, but only looking ahead in the works of the Lord. If you want to be a worker, your mind has to be on the mission. Or else you'll get to work and all the wrong things. And that's frustrating as well. And that's a different message. The Psalms say that sons are a heritage from the Lord. Like arrows in the quiver of a warrior, they are. And many sons from this house will be shot out into the earth for the purpose of his kingdom. 
But you must have your mind on the mission in order for that to happen. No longer our kingdom, but his. Because the creation is awaiting you in eager expectation. He's awaiting you. Say me. me. He's awaiting you. Acts 13, 47, it says, For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Well, the Gentiles heard this. They were glad and honored the word of the Lord. But you must have your mind on the mission. And all who were appointed, uh, anointed for eternal life believed. The word of the Lord spread through the whole region. Can you see this? It's never just little impact. It's always the whole thing. See, you have been impacted so much that it could, it could and should consume your life. If you do not feel busy in the kingdom, your mind's not on the mission. I feel a lot of times we get real bored because you can only think about yourself so much before it's like, dude, this thing sucks. This is terrible. It's like, no, when your mind's on the mission, it's amazing. Romans says the creation awaits in eager expectations, the sons of God to be revealed. In this Acts 13 scripture, the Gentiles receive the word and they're honored. Come on, church, we must honor the word given by doing something with it, as these men did. We've discussed this before, but these men went on to be responsible for hundreds of thousands saved within the known world at their time. Their focus was, let's get this thing as far as it can go, but also multiplying uh, to the person that's in front of them. Yeah. They gave themselves to the mission because their minds were set on it. Somebody say mind on the mission. Mind on the mission. Our minds must be set on the mission. Luke 12, 35 through 40 is a warning and encouragement for us this morning. It says, be dressed ready for service and keep your lamps burning. Like men waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet so that we, uh, when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. I tell you the truth. He will dress himself to serve. will have them recline at the table and will come and wait for them. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the second or third watch of the night. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief were coming, he would not have let him in the house. Uh, he would not have let the house be broken into. You also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you did not expect. Listen, church, let it be that our mind is always on the mi mission. Because whenever the battle is heating up, whenever we're in the heat of the battle, I'm not going to lie, I stand with you guys today. There is temptation to think about all the wrong things other than what God has purposed you to do. We must be dressed ready 
for the day when he comes and he says, son, I want you to go. Well, no, I have too much to do or I'm thinking about this or I don't feel qualified. No, keep your mind on the mission. Walk forward and all these things else will leave. Do you guys want to have your mind on the mission every day? Yes. It is your choice. You can do it. And when you do, others will benefit from it. This is what it looks like to fight and to win. Our mind must be on the mission. Y'all go ahead and stand up with us as we close this out together today. Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 1, says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses who got there because of you being a living witness, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. If Yeshua and all of his disciples and many men and women since then had to endure the scorn of sinful men and here, the apostle writes to remember such things so that you do not grow weary and lose heart. Don't you think that also applies to yourself? Don't you think that it's also not just the scorn of wicked men from somewhere else, those coming against you from the outside, but maybe even on the inside too? Put aside the scorn of sinful men. Dismiss it. And run the race that has been marked out for you. And we're promising you that you will find all of these things. To recap that, I want to make sure that you guys got this. Our first thing was that whenever we keep our minds on the mission, we are healed. So then we don't have to sit there and negotiate whether or not we focus on somebody else or we focus on ourselves as we are focusing on the work that he's given us to do. We are healed. We're taken care of. We don't have to allot special me time. Do you need time to tend to those who you love and right there around you? Yeah, of course. And then other people are going to do it for you. God will take care of you when you are focused on his people. He's going to focus on you. Second was that whenever we keep our minds on the mission, the lost are gathered. So then we don't have to have some special program to get people into the door and some way to coax people in with gift cards or Easter egg drops or something ridiculous like that. People are, the lost are brought in because they heard, I, I heard somebody got healed here. I saw a man standing in his truck bed on the side of the loop who had so much joy that I had to come and see what he was joyful about. I heard somebody got healed here. So I couldn't help but come and get healed too. Then you have a yard sale with people getting hit by the Holy Spirit in the front yard. That is as Jesus as it gets. Whenever we keep our minds on the mission, his people are grown. We don't have to ignore the world and everyone who needs to hear of the goodness of God and see the goodness of God, we don't have to ignore them to focus 
on those who are within the house in the moment growing. We grow together as we are doing the work of the ministry together. It is where we find out where we are inadequate. It is where we find out what we're missing. It is where we find out where we stumble and where our vulnerabilities are. It is not helpful to sit here and self-diagnose and forget those who Jesus told you to come here for. Likewise, we then, when we keep our minds on the mission, we have the ability to give to the world. And we have the ability to give to the world those who bear fruit and multiply because they are bearing fruit and they are multiplying right here in this house. As Pastor Mike and many others have told us before, you will bear fruit out there the way that you bear fruit in here. So stop asking for what your purpose in life is, for what your calling is, for what your office is. Whenever you're not doing it here, this is the place for all of us to grow. Amen. Amen. We want to encourage you guys today that the cloud of witness, the cloud of witnesses that shows up that the, the apostle speaks of here in Hebrews 12 is exactly these people. It are th- it's those who are already in front of you. It's those who are at your job. It's those who are in your family, who are your family members. It is those who are in your community, those who you commune with either within this church or somewhere else outside of this church. It is your own community of people. It's the people right in front of you every day. You don't need to uh, skip from this moment to Revelation 7. We get to Revelation 7 by you ministering to your bosses and your coworkers and your neighbors and everybody else. It is also interceding for those who are not yet here. If you are not keeping your eyes and your doors open for those who are in desperate need of Yeshua, like Zacchaeus himself, to come in and sit with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, though he sees himself as nothing, if you are not keeping your doors open, we will not see the mission accomplished because that is, in fact, the mission, is seeing those people seated at the table in the presence of God, being fed a meal they didn't deserve, served by people, who took the time to actually look beyond what they were in the moment and prophesy what they will become. Our mind is on the mission. Amen. Say our mind is on the mission. Our mind is on the mission. Come on, lift your hands and praise in prayer with me right now. Yeshua, we love not just you, but we love the work that you gave us to do. We love you and we show you that we love you, Jesus, whenever we keep our minds on the mission that you came to do. When you said that whenever we would follow in your ways, when we would look like you, when we would talk like you, when we would do the works that you came to do, that we would show that we love you. Jesus, we declare today over ourselves, over our families, over our friends here in this room, that we will show you that we love you by the work that we do to be a representative to those who do not yet know you. We will not fear, Lord, the serpent. We will not fear the wind. We will not fear the waves. We will not fear any of it, but we will be built firmly upon the rock of our salvation that comes only from you, Yeshua, and then we will get on with the work. We will get on with the work and invite into our homes those who we would, those who the rest of the world says that they, that they don't ever want to come into their house. Jesus, we will see those 
who are broken and lost and in desperate need of you, redeemed yes, right here in Denton so that someday we will see it in Jerusalem with every nation Amen. represented to the glory of your name and of your face, Lord, and of your kingship. We say that we will do these things because we love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on. All right, y'all have a good rest of the day. Keep your mind on the missions.